Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Well, perhaps the most famous passage in all of Scripture It's one that you would, if you've been around church for a while, know quite well. And maybe if you're not a churchgoer, you might still recognize it. And it goes something like this. For God loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son, that whomsoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And that's the truth, believe it or not, that we celebrate at Christmas when we gather, when we... When we celebrate all that Christmas means in its fullness, that is the reality that we celebrate. A gift from God to a world that desperately needed it. A boundless gift of grace. And this this message, this Christmas celebration is finishing a series we've been working through over the last, uh, or through Advent, which is what we've called Boundless. And you've got the image on the screen there. And the images of a starlit sky, the universe in its magnitude beyond our imagining, representing the infinite nature and boundless nature of God. And then we see a manger silhouetted at the front. And we're reminded of the boundless nature of God finding bounded form in a baby lying in a manger. What a contrast! But over these last few weeks, we've looked at the way that that boundless gift of a baby in a manger has enriched our lives with boundless love and joy, peace, hope. And today we explore grace. And we've also explored the idea that whilst it was God's gift to us, it's also God's gift through us. Because we are not called just to receive God's grace, we are called to embody it to a world around us. And so we're going to look at grace today. But the question's got to become, what does grace mean? Because we use it a lot. It's, it used to be the name of a removalist company. Does everyone, anyone remember that around Adelaide, Grace Removalists? I wonder if they'd ever thought about what that means or if it was a surname, who knows. But what does grace mean? Grace means undeserved favor. It means receiving something that you weren't otherwise due, that you, didn't, that you weren't owed, that you didn't earn. It was something given out of the goodness of someone else's heart. And the question then becomes, if that's what grace is, why do we choose to extend grace to someone? We simply, I believe that we choose to extend undeserved favor to someone because we love them. Because we love them. But this term love is a complicated one in culture. And we talked about this idea of boundless love a few weeks back in this series. But I think what's helpful for us to understand when we think about, okay, so if we to extend grace to someone, then we need to love them in some way. So, so what sort of love? Because love is complicated. Love, we can love our car, and we can love our spouse, we can love our lawn, we can love 
a new mobile phone. We can love our Christmas presents. We can love Christmas lights. We can love a dog. We can love our children. So, so what is all of that? How, how do we help understand this idea of love? And I think there's, it's helpful, perhaps, to look at two different types of love in this, in this context. The first is a love that is determined by our feelings towards something. And those feelings are generally determined by the things about it that we value. So there'll be attributes about something we decide to love that we value. And so it might be this new phone that we might have. We value its speed and its connectivity. We value its shiny new apps or whatever. And so we love that thing. We, we value a freshly manicured lawn, and so we love that. We value the way that our children do as we ask, and so we love them or something. But the thing about this sort of feelings type of love is that whenever that thing that we ascribe love to ceases to display those attributes, then those feelings start to fade. If you're in a marriage, you might recognize that for the first few years of that marriage, there's a, there's a real affections, feelings type of love that we experience just because we're in this other person's presence. And everything about them is wonderful until it's not. Until they stop putting their dirty clothes in the hamper. Until they start sitting and watching the cricket instead of helping with the dishes. Until they start nagging us. Don't, don't, when you ask to have a job done around the house, you only have to ask once. You don't have to ask every six months. It's just, it's just nagging. See, those things, as soon as those attributes are not what we want them to be, then we, they have, that, that thing has less value when we, the love starts to fade. So that's an affections type of love, but there's another type of love. And that type of love is a choice. It's a choice type of love. And instead of us looking at something and seeing attributes that we value, instead it begins with us. It begins with us making a choice to love that thing, regardless of its attributes, and by us imparting love, it gains the value that it ought to have. So rather than the value coming from its attributes, the value comes from the love we impart upon it. To, to help us understand this, brought a special little friend with me. If you've been to the services uh, over this Christmas, you would recognize him. This is our little friend of yet... Oh, there we go. That, that, that happened far quicker than it did the other services. This is Bunny. Now, as we prepared for Christmas in our household, we did what we call a chuck out. You've all done them. They're significant and they're necessary. It's when we recognize you've got too much of something and you need to downsize. There's some of you, you know, if, you, if you've lived in a bigger family home and then you, and then you uh, moved to a smaller house, you had to do a downsize, didn't you? So you had to decide at some point what's staying, what's going. And some of you are still living in a bigger house even though you should have downsized because you don't want to do a chuck out. But for us as, as, as family, we know there's a whole bunch of presents incoming for our daughters from, from broader family and whatever, and, and so we had to do a chuck out. And so one of those was our stuffed toy collection. And there were over 100 stuffed toys in our house, 
which sounds like a lot. No, it is. It was a lot. And so we had to, we had to make some decisions, which, what, which ones were going to stay and which ones were going to go. And we got to this bunny. And bunny got saved from the chuck out. We looked at him and we said, no, no, he's staying. But why did bunny get to stay when so many other bunny, oh, well, so, so, there were other bunnies, yes, but when so many other stuffed toys got, had to go? Because there were bunnies, or there were, there were stuffed toys that were prettier, there were stuffed toys that were fluffier, there were stuffed toys that hadn't faded like he had. So why did he get to stay? He's got to stay because he's my bunny. This bunny, and his t-shirt says, some bunny loves you, just for what it's worth. Some bunny loves you, great dad joke for all of the dads out there. Some bunny got to stay because I decided that he got to stay. There wasn't necessarily much about his attributes that made him any more than any of the other toys that didn't get to stay, but he stayed because I decided that he did, because he's mine. It was my choice, and it was because I chose to value him that he got saved from being chucked out. His, his value was determined by me. Undeserved favor because I decided he was worth saving. And this in some sense helps us to understand the significance and the magnitude of Christmas for us. That at some point, God chose, it was God's choice of love for us. That God at some point decided that we were worth saving. God extended a boundless extension of grace for us. Not because of our attributes, not because of anything we've done that made us worthy, but instead because he chose to, because God made the choice. And so we read about the beginning of this boundless expression of grace, at the very beginning of Jesus' life in the narrative. And this story begins with grace, with a young woman, and her name is Mary. We read it in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee in the corner of one of the poorest parts of the Roman Empire, of no significance to anyone that mattered. And he sent this angel to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And he was a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The word, the root word there in the original language is charis, which means grace, undeserved favor. You who are favored when you've done nothing to earn it. The Lord is with you, declares the angel. And see, Mary was troubled by this because God doesn't give unmerited favor. And she wondered what kind of greeting it could be that an angel would declare to her. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor, there's our word, charis, with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. 
And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked. Because I'm a virgin. My husband or my, my betrothed, Joseph and I, we, we, haven't, we haven't connected in a way that creates babies yet. So how is this going to happen? Since I'm a virgin. And the angel answers, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. In that moment, Mary is greatly favored, experiences extraordinary grace. But the son that she's going to conceive and ultimately bear into the world. His name is to be Jesus. And we read in Matthew's account, Joseph's kind of side of this story, because it's a complicated thing to, be, to hear that your soon-to-be wife is now pregnant. That brings up a lot of questions. No doubt, it would for you, I'm sure of it. And so the angel visits Joseph to fill him in, which is helpful. And the angel declares to Joseph that you will call this son of yours, you will call him Jesus. Why? The angel explains it. He says, because he will save the people from their sins. That's what Jesus means. But for that to make any sense at all, we need to explore why. Why is such a thing necessary? Because if this, for this to have any significance, we need to understand what it is that we, as the people of this earth, needed saving from. And in a word, the angel declares it. He says, we need to be saved from our sins. And, and sin sin's this uncomfortable word in our culture. What does sin actually mean? Well, in the context, quite specifically, it actually means just to miss the mark. You're aiming for something and you miss. You shoot an arrow and you aim and you miss the target. That's quite specifically, literally what it means. But in the context of Scripture, sin is to miss the mark of God's holiness. So for you and I to sin in our life, it is that our life does not align with the holiness of God. And the the narrative of Scripture reveals to us across all of it that our character cannot align with the holiness of God. Thanks to the garden and what the fall of humanity in that place. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And so sin, described also as the brokenness of our character, makes our character incompatible with God's, which means a relationship is not possible. That's what sin does. And Scripture is clear about the results of sin. It says that the wages of sin is death. And that's a death in a final sense. But it's also death in the way that we experience destruction in in life in general. So we know that when we behave in ways that are 
inconsistent with God's character towards others, it destroys things. We experience destruction in relationships. We experience destruction in our own personal lives. We experience destruction in our finances. There's so much about God's alignment for the world, the way we're meant to live life, that when we live aligned with sin, it brings destruction. But sin also separates us from God. And that might come across as offensive, but that's the truth. That's what Scripture teaches us. But that's not the end of the story, because God chose to send Jesus because humanity missed the mark and needed saving. God recognized we needed saving, and He sent Jesus. Because Jesus didn't stay a baby We don't pray to the baby Jesus, we pray to a fully grown Jesus. Why? Because Jesus lived a full life, and in his life, he showed us what God is like. He taught us the values of God's kingdom. He ultimately cast a, in a way you describe it as a socio-political vision for a world where love is the primary value. That's what Jesus taught in his life and ministry. And if that's all Jesus ever did, then we could chalk Jesus up as another helpful philosopher, just like every other religion has them, that that's all he was, a helpful guy, because there's no, his, there's no, there's no historian worth their salt that denies the historical Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth was a real historical figure. No one disputes that. And so, but that, if that's all Jesus was, then friends, we are wasting our time. But that's not all Jesus was. And that's not all Jesus did. Because Jesus ultimately gave his life up for the world, just as the angels declared that he would. The Apostle Paul writes it in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. He writes it like this. He says, You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. See, very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. The while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's, a, there's an interesting contrast in the two types of love going on in this passage. See, it talks about in the middle section, in verse 7, Paul sort of makes an analysis around value. He says, so, so what would it take for someone to die for another? Well, were they, were they good enough? Were they, were they righteous enough? What would it take? How good do you have to be for one of us to consider you good enough or righteous enough or worthy enough have to have enough value for us to die for you? What would it take? How good do you have to be? And Paul doesn't have an answer for that because there isn't one. But instead, he offers something different. He says, but God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners when we there's nothing that we could offer in terms of our attributes to make us good enough before God God chose 
to send Jesus Christ to die for us. Despite our sin, He chose. And that choice gives us all the value that we could ever need. That, friends, is a boundless gift of grace. And a man by the name of John, one of the disciples that journeyed with Jesus in his life, he comes to the end of his life and he writes this letter, reflecting on God's love and what it means for us that we might know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And he writes it like this, 9 of John chapter 4. This is how God showed love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this love, or this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and then sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God's love displayed for us. And so, someone needs to hear this today. I believe it. I believe it's been true across all three of messages that I've shared, which have all been slightly different, but it's largely the same. I believe someone needs to hear this truth this morning, that you have value and that you are loved, and that love is not determined by the attributes that make you worthy of that love. It's not to do with how good you are. It's not to do with how much you've achieved. It's not to do with how much you earn, what you look like, what you wear, whether you think you've measured up and lived the life that you want to live, whether you've extended enough love and grace to the world, whether you've got a C-plus average at school, irrelevant to that. Your value is not determined by your attributes. Your value is determined by the God that chose to love you. And what was, what was the value God ascribed to you? What are you worth? You're worth the life of His Son. And that's the highest price there could ever be. So someone needs to hear this morning that you are loved and you are valued based on nothing else but, but, but that God chose to love you. And extend grace. Because God decided to save you. You are loved. And so this Christmas, the invitation is really simple. It's to consider perhaps for the first time, if you've never been to church before, if you've never understood this, the magnitude of what Christmas actually means for us, in the birth of Jesus, the incarnation of God in flesh... If you've never thought about this before, the invitation is simple. To consider the boundless gift of grace that God has given to you. A grace that all that's ever required is for you to accept it and believe in Jesus as your Lord. That's all that's required. And you say, but Josh, surely there's some other thing. Surely I have to give 10% of my income. Surely I have to live the right ways. Surely I have to do a bunch of stuff to be good enough. And the answer is no. Because that would be a values-based love. Instead, God gave us a choice-based love. God chose to. And that is all that is ever needed. 
and we just accept it by faith. So maybe that's an invitation for you this morning. And if you want to talk about that, if you're online and you want to talk about that more, chuck something in the chat, put a comment in. I'd love to, you to reach out to us. I'd love to talk that through with you this morning or at another time. And so it's to consider that grace. But then the second thing is if you're a follower of Jesus and if you've heard all of this before, if this is nothing new, then the invitation is to consider how is God's gift of boundless grace to you called to be, how is God calling it to be a gift through you? Because all of this is not about you. God's gifts to us to the church, to us as followers, is that we might be a gift to a world that desperately needs it. So where is it that you in your life, in your Christmas gatherings, do you need to extend some grace, some undeserved favor into your gatherings this Christmas? It might be the people that you don't actually like spending time with at Christmas, but you find yourself sitting next to them anyway because that's what families do. I don't know. It might be Boxing Day sales tomorrow, as if we haven't shopped enough, that at some point we get to shop again. And as if we needed any more stuff, it's discounted. And so that's the extension. That is the invitation. A boundless gift of grace to us, but also through us to a world that desperately needs it. So boundless grace. What a gift and a gift we celebrate this Christmas. Let's pray together. Loving and gracious God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way that it speaks into our hearts and into our lives. And Lord, it's an extraordinary thing to consider that you as the Lord of creation would give your life for us that you would save us from our sin, not because we're good enough, but because you chose to. So loving God, we pray that you would help us discover that truth afresh this Christmas. And would you help us live it out in new and wonderful ways, not because we feel like it, but because we choose to, just like you did for us. So, Lord, we thank you for your gift of boundless grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.